Thank you for listening to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. The episode that you have chosen is no longer available on this platform. If you go to the show notes, you'll see that we now have a Patreon page. You can find the link in the show notes. And by going to Patreon, you will have full access to all of the audio files from season one, two, and beyond. We appreciate your support on Patreon. It will allow us to bring you more content in audio, video, and written form, as we hope to expand into transcripts for each and every episode. We appreciate you, and we're so happy that you're willing to support us. Thank you so much. Can you just kind of take us through what it takes to be a yoga researcher? Yeah, sure. So you have to convince people it's worth their money to pay you to do this. I started my graduate degree in 2003, and I started doing studies in 2008 or 10 that were just me being the yoga teacher, seeing about seven people and getting some measurements, right? Then that led to like a little bit of a larger study, meaning like 14 people. And then that led to a little bit of a larger study, meaning 40. Then we submitted grants recently to do larger. And so what ends up happening is you have to convince people it's worth their money to pay you to do this because you need somebody's time and energy to, to write the grants and papers. So each step along the way, you need to show that it's possible and show that you can recruit people and that they're interested. You know, I feel like I'm sort of a bridge or a translator between the language that the medical community speaks, meaning like statistics, theoretical models, these kind of things where you have to explain what we're doing with yoga in the context that is already integrated into clinical care. So what does this add? How come it's worth it? And to be able to use the sort of terminology that people are already used to. And, you know, I've spent quite a lot of time trying to understand what the yoga terminology is as well, so that I can hopefully be a translator. <laughs> so it took you five or six years to get a PhD in the area of research. So that's one thing. And then it's taken you, I don't know, another 15 or so years to start small and eventually move up to the point where you have received some very nice, large grants. But even just writing the proposals, I mean, I get emails from you on a regular basis saying, you know, can we submit you as an advisor for this study? Or we got rejected from this journal. We're going to resubmit it to this journal. Can you please, you know, like it is this ongoing thing. And I just, I just wanted to start with that because I think people don't realize that this is a very, very specialty thing. And that's not to say you can't collect a little data on the people in your classrooms, but it, it probably for a variety of reasons, isn't going to get published in a journal unless you're well-trained and you have actually done the steps that you've done over the last two decades. It's a big learning curve if it's something new. So, you know, I would say the other path could be to partner with a researcher. It's just that, like you said, it's very specialized. So the chances of somebody living near you that has this as a topic area of study is... Well, and, and the researchers are expected <laughs> yeah. to go get grants to fund their own salary. If they don't yes. fund their own salary, then they will not be hired much longer. And so to take up a random project of a local yoga teacher, it's just not realistic. That's not usually in their career path. 
Right. So we have to show that when we apply for grants that we are the perfect person to be doing this. We've been doing work in this area for a long time. We're very dedicated to it. So it's hard to just pick up a, a new project unless it's really serendipitous and aligned in some way. We talk just briefly about this idea of we have an actual protocol and functional reasons why we chose this posture or that breathing technique or this meditation. But because you have very seasoned, advanced yoga teachers and yoga therapists who work for you, they know how to modify the protocol and then mark that down in the research papers to say, hey, today we had to modify this because of X, Y, Z. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because people think, well, yoga therapy can't be protocol driven. It's got to be individualized. And so you're kind of like a, a little hybrid in between, don't you think? Yes. There's a lot of trade-offs here, right? And so my perspective in writing these grants often, and also as a social psychologist, rather than maybe somebody that does like clinical treatment often, is how can we reach it's kind of the perspective of the most people with this versus maybe the person that's coming to me that really needs it, you know? So it's like this, how do we keep it accessible to do the greatest good for the greatest public health benefit? And so it's just a different perspective, I think, that a lot of clinicians might have or therapists. Our protocols are very almost scripted, whereas there's other people that have a lot more leniency or like flexibility in what people can do. And I think there's kind of a different skill set. You can be a very competent yoga teacher. You know, teaching for a research study also requires that you're okay with being video recorded, that you're okay with teaching potentially the same thing or at least aligned with the protocol each time. And so people that like to be creative are very intuitive and change things up. Maybe don't want to teach your research. You know, it just depends on the, the study, I guess. So for us, yes, I'd say for, for the studies, we have it where we have like very highly trained instructors because we just want it to work as best we can. And by scripting it that way, it could potentially be taught by somebody with a little bit less training because it's very clear what we're doing. So really the modifications we've made are like, if somebody doesn't feel up for the movement, maybe we would not do too many movements that day and keep it more relaxation and breathing focused. So they're in chemotherapy and usually the ports are fine for arm movements, but sometimes if they have an IV, they don't like to do all of the arm movements, for example. So we, we do have modifications. I'd say we've kept it pretty simple as far as like just mostly removing things. Can I just say knowing when to remove something, you know, that takes some skill. So I, I, what I hear you saying is this fine balance between someone who's willing to stick to almost a script and a protocol so that it can be given, you know, if this study works, now we can give it instead of seven people or 14 people, now we can give it to hundreds of people. But someone who also is skilled enough to know when to take things out and say, no, that's not going to work for this individual. I mean, th that's a very strange balance because most people want to be very creative. They don't want to go on a script, right? And, and maybe they don't have the knowledge to know when to take things out that are inappropriate. Yes. It's very important. You know, when I was able to teach for some studies more, now I mostly write them, but I remember teaching you know, a 30 year old person with breast cancer at the time. And she looked fit, you know, she looked, I was very close in age at the time. And she was so grateful when I actually listened to her to be sitting in a chair and taking a break. And so I think our tendency to think people want more is very different, especially in this setting where people really want less and they want to relax and they're grateful for the opportunity to do that for themselves. And so, yes, I think it takes, you know, to be very tuned in with people to you know, to catch that maybe somebody's not letting on, they're trying to go, 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 but they really need to back off. And so I think that is important. Hey, did you know that each week on the podcast, 
we give you a free infographic that you can use with your clients, your students, or for your own personal studies. So check out the show notes. There's a link on where you can sign up. And not only will we send you the infographic from this week, but if there's a topic that's similar in the future, we'll also put you on that list and we'll never sell your data or send you things that you haven't asked for. Please share the episode with a friend or colleague. We're so grateful you're willing to share. Feel free to continue these conversations on our private Facebook group called Yoga Therapy Hour Podcast with Amy Wheeler. Remember, we have a mobile app coming out May 2nd, 2022 that tracks mental health and so much more using the foundations of yoga and Ayurveda. The Gold Zone ebook is coming out May 2nd, 2022. This book will help you to create more joy, freedom, meaning and purpose in life, and find deeper connections to yourself and others. Our goal is to help you feel less anxiety, less depression, less chronic pain, less insomnia. And I think you'll find this pair, both the book and the new app, will help you do just that. Hey, did you know that each week on the podcast, we give you a free infographic that you can use with your clients, your students, or for your own personal studies? So check out the show notes. There's a link on where you can sign up. And not only will we send you the infographic from this week, but if there's a topic that's similar in the future, we'll also put you on that list and we'll never sell your data or send you things that you haven't asked for. Please share the episode with a friend or colleague. We're so grateful you're willing to share. Feel free to continue these conversations on our private Facebook group called Yoga Therapy Hour Podcast with Amy Wheeler. Remember, we have a mobile app coming out May 2nd, 2022 that tracks mental health and so much more using the foundations of yoga and Ayurveda. The Gold Zone ebook is coming out May 2nd, 2022. This book will help you to create more joy, freedom, meaning and purpose in life, and find deeper connections to yourself and others. Our goal is to help you feel less anxiety, less depression, less chronic pain, less insomnia. And I think you'll find this pair, both the book and the new app, will help you do just that.